Welcome to the Bards FM podcast. This is Scott Kesterson, and tonight you're listening to a conversation with Lieutenant Colonel Retired Ivan Ranklin, Special Forces. This war is real. Fighting is everything. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Tempt not the righteous man to draw his sword. Conviction, righteousness, ruthlessness. To understand tolerance, you have to understand the line of intolerance. War is the teacher, soldiers are the students. They become the bards of war. Good evening, patriots. And tonight is Friday, March 1st, in the year 2023. I'm telling you, this is an interesting time we're in right now. We have so many things happening, and there's happening all at once. And it's good because it's starting to awaken many people. Tonight we have Lieutenant Colonel Ivan Ranklin from his former Special Forces, who is literally the agitator wrecking ball of D.C. He's been up there in the meetings, and we're going to... Yesterday, he was involved in the congressional hearing with our traitor, Austin, uh, Secretary of Defense Austin, and he was there. And you're going to hear that story and really kind of get a perspective on a lot of the things that are happening up and around to really shake the cage of people and to start bringing teams together and bringing these remnant tribes together to really make a force of change in this nation. It's necessary. There's a lot of things happening, and there's a lot of acceleration of the deep state's plans to try to draw us into a deeper and more destructive war. Just on that point, tonight troops are amassing in Israel to do an invasion of Lebanon, which is obviously hopeful that they will draw America into a fight to fight for the, so the satanic cult that runs Israel. And, there, and you further hide the crimes of human slaughter and crimes against humanity that the Israelis are doing as they destroy and kill Palestinian children in mass. You can guarantee that Ukraine is going to get smacked hard by Russia since they, their counteroffensive just failed, and Russia's on the move and having big wins. And as these things escalate, look to China to be able to take advantage of the opportunity to take back Taiwan. All of these things are happening while we have an open border. People are flooding in. Every terrorist organization in the world now has a home station and a headquarters office in the United States. Thanks to our government and thanks to our treasonous leadership in the military, all of this is happening at once. And this all brings us back to the principal issue of the Declaration of Military Accountability, which is absolutely important right now. The Declaration of Military Accountability which we are going to talk about in part tonight, but this is really what the whole thing was about with, with Ivan Ranklin being in, on Capitol Hill and in the congressional hearing yesterday, is to drive attention to this to get more and more people behind this. Why this is important is we have to change our military leadership. We have to get into the dialogue once again, those words, enemies domestic. And right now, because we have a treasonous leadership in the military, every single general officer has proven to be spineless and executed illegal orders against our soldiers by forcing a mandate that was illegal to give them an experimental shot and to try to demoralize and break the back of our military as they now, a recruitment falls, as we have damaged soldiers that are not able to function, lots of illnesses and, and side effects from this prototype killer shot that was given to them. And at the same time, now they're releasing 24,000 soldiers because they don't have the capability of maintaining the force. Our national security is at risk. Every one of these generals that was involved in this literally needs to be held 
for charges of treason under UCMJ and crimes against humanity. And this is the fight that the DMA, the Declaration of Military Accountability, is pushing to ensure that we bring full accountability into our armed forces and turn, return our armed forces back to the control and partnership with the people to understand that in that oath there are two concepts, enemies foreign, which we do fine with, enemies domestic, which they won't allow, allow to be talked about because these people that are leading the military are our enemies domestic. So this is where we are, and it's in a very important time to appreciate the criticality of the hour. This month is going to be a hot month. I would guarantee it. March is going to be exciting <laughs> in more ways than one. It's going to get a little crazy. Now, before we get going tonight, a couple of things. We have a couple of great sponsors that need to call out and are important for all of us. One of the things that we don't need to be dealing with right now is debt because debt burdens us down. It takes our mind off of things. It, takes, it distracts us. This is why we have this group called Done With Debt, donewithdebt.com. They literally can become your lifeline right now with very ingenious strategies to help you get out of debt, manage your debt, and get it resolved once and for all. To do doing that without filing bankruptcy and without taking another loan. So the whole idea is they, they, you get hold of done with debt. They work with you. They give you an analysis of what your options are. Some of these options are time sensitive. So they're going to push that. They're going to work with you to reduce your bills. And then to get your debt control completely under control with their negotiators as well to reduce some of your interest rate. The last thing you need is when things are already difficult in certain ways and we're trying to also do preparations, this debt that limbs over people that can get spun out of control can really leave us hamstrung. So get hold of them. All you have to do is go to donewithdebt.com, donewithdebt.com. Check them out, and they're going to be there for you. So, again, donewithdebt.com. They're there for you, and they're going to be able to help you get out of a problem if you're having trouble with debt. That's awesome. So, Patriots, a lot of crazy things, obviously, and I want to read this piece to you. I thought this was powerful as we begin tonight because it's a perspective of truly the warrior heart of Christ at a whole nother level. So this comes from Nathan Spearing and also on X as at the Spearing. I'm really hoping to get him on the show. It's a fantastic story here he gives, and he says, When I showed up at Ranger Battalion, I let my squad know that I was a Christian. That meant I didn't drink, I didn't dip, or curse, and that I was a virgin, and I would be, and I would be until my honeymoon night. They were dumbfounded. My team leader remarked, "I thought people like you went extinct in the '60s." The conversation soon moved to the subject of killing. I was now assigned to the elite, light, and the most proficient infantry battalion in the world, Abrams Charter, and killing was the job. I had to explain to them about the many heroes and leaders of the faith that killed people and how, how large portions of the Bible gave accounts of Christians being the fiercest and most skilled warriors of their day. After all, the lineage of Christ descends from David, who as a boy, who as a boy said to the aggressor, This day the Lord will deliver you into my hands, and I'll strike you down and cut off your head. This very day, I will give the carcasses of the Philistine army to the birds and the wild animals, and the whole world will know that there is a God in Israel. And those gathered here will know that this is not my sword or spear that the Lord saves, for the battle is the Lord's, and he will give all, and he will give all to you into our hands. 1 Samuel 17. He continues and ends with, Why are Christians, Christian men viewed as weak? Fulfilling the dominion mandate requires dangerous Christian men, 100%. We have to rise up and bring the dangerous Christian men back to life. Great post, and we'll see what we can do about getting him on the show. 
One last thing, Patriots, before we get in, I've got a couple, well, actually a couple things. Just a little bit ago, like five minutes ago, before the show, Brad Miller and Ivan Ranklin, Rob Green, Carolyn, and a few others were at a meeting down in a uh, down in Virginia. They were gathering there to support Cam Hamilton, and so I, they called in. I did a quick recording, just a little bit here to start things off, so take a listen. All right, this is awesome. So we have here, speaking before us, we have Ivan Ranklin. Hello, what's going on, Ivan? What's up? Is this just audio we're doing? We're just doing audio, so it's okay. It's all right. Oh, come on. Dude, that's all I've got. We're doing audio. Okay. I, we've got the show starting in five minutes. So I'm going to have this all on the beginning, so let's go. Okay. So, all right, so where are you? What's going on? We're here at Gormel. You're hey, Yeah, so Brad Miller here. We are here in Fredericksburg, Virginia. And uh, we're here. At, I'm surrounded by some other signatories of the Declaration of Military Accountability, and we've um, we've been championing the cause of freedom tonight. That's totally awesome. How are you? Bye, we. By we, Brad means we have Brad Miller, Carolyn Rocco, Rob Green, Ivan Ranklin, and Jordan Carr. This is awesome. Agreed. All right. Yeah. <laughs> and Scott Cameron, yeah, yeah, Cameron Hamilton. was here, but he's with his family right now after a long day. That's yep. awesome. So, Rob, Rob, how was the event tonight? Oh, it was fantastic. I, I came out uh, of the thing very motivated, um, kind of living on the edge a little bit in terms of what I <laughs> – I can or should say, um, but you know, as somebody said a long time ago, we're we're all going to hang separately, or we'll surely all hang together. <laughs> it's warmer together. Well, I will assure you. That, I will assure you. In tonight's interview, we addressed the issue of gallow building, so don't worry about that. That's good. <laughs> uh, are, are you? When are you starting the interview? In about five minutes. So it's going to be. It's going to okay. be. I'm going to take this right in. So it's going to be awesome. So that's good. Okay, so a lot of a lot of great people are here tonight. I mean, there were several hundred people here. A lot of really concerned citizens, people who care about freedom and yeah. people who are, as I like to say, you know, getting off the couch. They're not going to sit this one out. Well, you guys are doing fantastic. Carolyn, what do you think? What do I think about tonight? Yes. I thought it was great. We had Dr. Malone. We had Mark Green. We had uh, Cameron Hamilton and then a panel of uh, freedom fighters that shared their stories and basically um, takeaways, actions that people can do to get off the couch, as Brad just said. So the momentum is growing. Um, we've all believe and we've said it starts at the local level. And tonight was evidence of that. Uh, the group out here, as Brad said, there were a couple hundred and they are fired up. And we expect to see this momentum just carry on. Let's go. It's awesome. And who's with you right here? Jordan Carr. Hi, how are you? Hey, good. good how are you? Good. So give me your perspective. What did you think? Yeah, it was awesome. Um, drove two hours to get here. A bunch of members that showed up, you know, they drove two, three hours to get here. Um, packed house. It was standing room only for most of it. Um, and I think anytime, you know, you get together with a bunch of patriots and freedom fighters, um, it's going to be a great event. And, you know, it encourages, encourages us to keep fighting. Um, you know, the American people encourage us to keep fighting and to, you know, pursue accountability. And that's what we're going to do. That's awesome. Let's go back to Brad and to and real quick. All right, so yeah. you, you've been on Tucker this last week. How's that feel, man? Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah. So, so uh, it's been great. I mean, obviously, is the the video that was placed on Twitter last time I checked had about 2.5 million views, and that's in you know a little over 48 hours. So, uh, yeah, good reception. I think people really like it. Um, so, I would have liked to have had a little bit more time to talk with Tucker, but you know, any any exposure is good. So, I'm glad it happened. That's fantastic. We just crossed 30,000 signatories on this on the site today. 
So that's growing. Uh-huh. And that's fantastic. Fantastic. And, fantastic. And, we're, and we'll work on some do outs. And uh, Commander Green, real quick to you. So, yes, Scott. So we'll work on those do outs, and I'm going to push that, and we're going to talk about that tonight as well. But I think when we start to connect, as you're saying, All right, America, I'm hearing it. When you're there on the ground with people that are driven to do, I think we can bring these two worlds together, don't you? I do. Uh, and it's important to note that they are doing. Um, a lot of us think, I mean, you know, maybe not me personally or some of the people here, but many in our circles are thinking, oh, man, we're not getting signatures. Uh, people aren't aren't committing or people aren't doing stuff. But like these are the groups of people who are they they are meeting their local school boards. Uh, they're, they're not wearing masks. Uh, they didn't. Many of them didn't during the height of the thing. Uh, they were standing up since the very beginning. So um you know we have to make sure we're not getting discouraged because these people are out there and making things happen that's fantastic it's it's about communication we just got to make connect all the dots for everybody all right it's awesome well this is an awesome group appreciate it ivan to you real quick yeah so your your interview starts freedom gentry (laughs) all right so your interview your interview starts in a couple minutes what do you have to say to everybody now scott thanks for providing us all the platform you've been basically curating our story in the collective and i think for posterity a lot of people are going to have to go back to your episodes that you've compiled and interviewing us to get the full story and full picture in audio form coupled with rob green's book some of the substack articles that brad miller has written and i think it's going to depict the entire story of the destruction that our failureship within the dod caused upon all of us that's awesome all right blessings to everybody y'all keep safe and we'll we'll lift prayers for you all god bless y'all thank you very much we'll talk to you soon thank you bye-bye so many of those people you have heard from because those are members of the declaration of military accountability a couple new voices that you haven't we will get them on the show but what's really exciting is that you're now seeing the the declaration of military accountability members reaching out into already established and active groups within our nation. And this is exactly what we've been talking about internally that I'm sharing with you tonight, is to start taking that experience that everybody has. The depth of experience that the military has can be such a force multiplier for what's going on on the ground for American as as a whole that are activated in this fight. And this is where the big shift will start happening. You can look for that, even look for some of these things coming up on the DMA website, which I'll keep you posted about. The big thing now, if you haven't signed or and if you and if you haven't been passing around to get people to sign up for that DMA, and it, here's why we need the signatures. Congressmen are going to respond, and you'll hear Ivan Ranklin speak about it tonight. Congressmen respond to when those numbers get big. Look, let's face it. Congressmen are afraid of losing their job. That's it. It comes down to dysfunctions of numbers. If we can start getting those numbers up, we broke 30,000 tonight. We need to get those numbers up to about 100,000. What that does is it gives Ivan Ranklin an ax when he carries it in his hand, quite frankly, because all he has to do is point to 100,000 people that have already signed that and growing, and it starts to shake the congressman in their boots. So we need those signatures, and we need your help as much as we can to get those signatures out, and that's what we do well at to start getting more people on that site and signed up because then we're able to drive the force of what the DMA represents. Once we pivot in this to where we get Congress really focusing on the DMA and we start to clean up the leadership in the military, we're going to be able to start restoring justice into this nation very quickly. And it's a critical hour for this. With all the things going on and all of these satanic pedophile fools running this nation, what they want is to drive us into a massive war that we can never get out of. 
The We the People Hour is now, and that's truly it. Now, Patriots, on this last piece before we jump into the interview tonight, make sure that you are prepared and you're taking preparation seriously. These people are trying to lead us into a state of war, and I say these people. This is our pedophile cult elite that are out here trying to destroy this country and do a scorched earth on everybody and ultimately break the will of the people and starve them out. They'd be happy to starve everyone else out. All you have to look at, look at is what's happening to the Palestinians in Gaza. They want to starve them to death if they can. Be prepared. That means have a, a food plan and a food preparation baseline. Part of that is to have emergency food that will last and will have all the things that you need. My Patriot Supply offers that. So if you head on over to preparewithbards.com, preparewithbards.com, you're going to find the four-week emergency food kit on sale right now for $60 off, which is fantastic. Now, this comes with 2,000 calories a day, great meals, and life, life shelf life of over 25 years. So head on over to preparewithbards.com, preparewithbards.com, take advantage of the sale, and you will not be disappointed. It's a great addition to your emergency food kit. Now, Patriots, with all of that, with this whole group you've talked to and all the introduction, let's get into this interview with Lieutenant Colonel Retired Special Forces Ivan Ranklin, the wrecking ball of D.C. You didn't tell the president that you had cancer. Let me start this over real quick. In the introduction, I forgot to mention this, and I apologize. The introduction today is the Matt, the Matt Getz moment when he goes after Secretary of Defense Austin, and it leads right into this interview. So that's what I want you to hear first. So it's about four minutes, and then we go right into the interview. You didn't tell the president that you had cancer, that you were being treated for cancer, or that the treatment for that cancer had gone wrong because you saw it as personal and medical. And I think a lot of us have empathy for you in that regard. But now that you see how personal medical decisions are, will you call for the re-recruitment, restoration of full rank and back pay for the 8,600 service members who were vax mandated out of the military? Uh, no, I won't. So on March 4th, 2021, you authored a memo. It was entitled Message to the Force. And in that memo, you said that there would be clear and swift accountability for anyone who didn't meet the highest standards of the Department of Defense. Now, however this worked out, we all acknowledge that what you did here didn't meet the highest standards, right? You made a mistake. I, I admit it to Yeah, uh, okay, so we got that. So then the question is, what becomes the, the clear and swift accountability? Now, you're not going to be discharged, right? No? That's right. Okay, not you're, you're not going to be suspended, you're not going to be demoted, and you're not going to have your pay cut. None of those things are going to happen to you, right? That's right. Okay, so you come here seeking some grace and some forgiveness. And I want you to know that one of the service members who you vax mandated out of the military sent me the parable of the unforgiving debtor. And it's in the book of Matthew, uh, it's verses uh, 21 to 35. The man fell down before his king and begged him, please be patient with me and I will pay all the debt. Then his master, filled with pity for him, released him and forgave him of his debt. But when the man left the king, he went to a fellow servant who owed him a few thousand dollars. He grabbed him by the throat and demanded payment. His fellow servant sat down and begged him for a little more time, be patient with me and I will pay it, he pleaded. But his creditor would not wait. He had the man arrested and put in prison until the debt could be paid in full. 
When some of the other servants saw this, they were very upset. They went to the king and told him everything that had happened. And the king called the man who had been forgiven and said, You evil servant, I forgave you that tremendous debt because you pleaded with me. Shouldn't you have mercy on your fellow servant just as I had mercy on you? Then the angry king sent the man to prison to be tortured until he had paid his entire debt. Mr. Secretary, you come to us seeking forgiveness but you offer none. And it seems as though the pattern is repeated. You make a mistake, like on the VAX mandate and here regarding your notification, then you get busted. President Biden had to sign something into law reversing your, your VAX mandate. You got busted here, not because you came forward, but because we learned of this through other means. And then after you get busted making a mistake, you, know, you, want, you want that benefit, but you don't want to extend it to others. Um, this isn't swift or clear. You're not meeting your own standards that you set for yourself. And you say that the DOD is a learning organization. Haven't you learned yet that the military is weaker, not stronger, with the 8,600 people that you vax mandated out of the military? Uh, just one point, uh, uh, Congressman. The reason I'm here is because the chairman requested that I appear to, to uh, um, talk about the circumstances surrounding uh, my hospitalization. But don't you see the hypocrisy in it? Because you screwed up, we fix your screw up, and now you want grace. But these people who have sought re religious exemptions, they got no such grace. And also, I just think it's ridiculous that we're in three wars, you went AWOL for three days, and we get two hours with you. If you can't spend more than two hours answering these questions, I don't know how you really operate in all these wars. Patriots, very excited today to have Lieutenant Colonel Retired Ivan Ranklin on. He is literally the wrecking ball of D.C., fighting for Patriot causes and for veterans' issues. Yesterday, he was in the conference hearing in Congress with our trader and chief, um, Austin, Secretary of Defense Austin, who sold his soul to the Chinese and probably many others, still suspicious on what caused his cancer in the lower part of his body, but we'll leave that till later. Anyway, welcome to the show. How are you doing? Scott, always a pleasure to have have uh, have you interview me because, as I've always said to you in private, you are by far the best audio podcaster that I've had the pleasure of being a guest for. And this is number four. <laughs> Thank you very much. All right. So yesterday, I the clip was fabulous that you sent me because you're literally calling out at Austin as his entourage of woke idiots surround him and walk out of the congressional hearing. And you didn't let him go without calling him out and reminding him that he will be held accountable. So let's start there because right there, that dude literally told everybody yesterday that he would not re bring back the, the veterans that he kicked out that are now veterans, the soldiers and military personnel that he kicked out, the war fighters, because they wouldn't take the vax, even though he just had some sort of what was it, like anal cancer or something? I really don't know. It's something bad like that, so I don't really know. Yeah, colon cancer. Yeah, same thing. Uh, just to tee things up real quick, if you're watching this entire two-hour spectacle, you got to remember that the chair of that committee is Mike Rogers. He's a stone-cold, toxic, feckless, gutless super rhino, okay, that chairs that committee. So for him to even allow Matt Gates in a abbreviated two-hour hearing of which – uh, he coordinated with Austin. I, I don't call him the Secretary of Defense because the person that appointed him is not legitimate. So let's just call him Lloyd Austin from here on forward. At least I will. I'm with anyway, you. Matt Gates, the absolute best colloquy of the day, 
And I, I'll be honest, my eyes watered with fury and just appreciation at the same time when Matt Gates just grilled him and called him out for what he is because he incorporated some of the wording that he used earlier in that hearing. And I was taking notes thinking this would be the ideal questions and commentary. And Matt Gates performed specifically to that level and even better so. So he called him out. He Austin did not did, said that he would not commit to reinstating any of those 8,600. And towards the end there, after the hearing is done, because you got to remember, I, I want to let people know if you're going to do exactly what I'm trying to do with these scum in person, you have to understand that the security detail for the executive branch, their only lawful authority is to physically protect their protectee, meaning they can't arrest anyone. Because they're, they're guests on the Capitol grounds and the U.S. Capitol Police have primacy. So if you're friendly and you know the U.S. Capitol Police officer that covers that particular area, of which I do, and I'm very respectful to him, I have no issues with him, guess what happens? He comes up to me afterward, this particular U.S. Capitol Police officer or officers, I won't name his name because he's a good guy. The, US, the Secretary of Defense's detail comes up to him and says, we have a picture of a, a threat and he shows the picture of me and he's like, no, 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 no. That's not a threat to U.S. Capitol Police or anybody in that committee room. Apparently he's a threat to you, but he's not going to do anything physically to him <laughs> type of thing. So he, he kind of told me about that. It's like this guy's here every day. He always f abides by the rules. Now, he might embarrass you. He probably will. So <laughs> as we get to the clip that you're referring to that I sent to you, what do I do? So during the hearing, since I'm dealing with the super rhino, I don't want to, you know, I don't want to cause any problems because I want to be there day in and day out grinding, making sure that, uh, you know, they know that we know that they know that we know. And so the way you do is during when the chair gavels in, you can't disrupt because then they can go after you, right, for some sort of a violation. But before the gavel and start of the committee, you can engage with the witness, the witnesses. You can make sounds and noises. And then once you once the chair gavels out, that's when you can make you know conversation, interactions, or even yell, right? Be, uh, normally, would, people would consider it disruptive, but it's not because the committee is over. So at the end of the committee hearing, I'm literally, Scott, I'm sitting. So if there's a table, the witness table, and secretary, well, Acting fake secretary Lloyd Austin is at the middle as the witness. I'm at the first chair on the very edge of the end of the table. We're talking five feet away. I'm sitting and literally just looking over my shoulder to the left, staring this punk ass, oh, excuse me, punk <laughs> down. I was going to say it in plural. That's why the S came out. Yes. The punk. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, yeah, so I'm sitting there and every time and I'm on the Democrat side, meaning I'm staring down every one of these Democrats that are asking a question. So when he looks over to the Democrats, he sees me right over his inside of his peripherals. So by the time the hearing ends and this was not caught, I stand up and say, Mr. Austin, my name's Ivan Raiklin and today is my birthday. I would like to give you a gift. And then I hand him, well, I tried to hand him, Rob Green's book, right, Defending the Constitution Behind Enemy Lines. And then I said, 
also included in addition to that as he's starting to walk away and his security detail this is before it starts to pick up he says oh he can't accept that i'm like i can't remember what i said it was something to the effect of i don't really care and so i said well in addition to this book i'm going to provide you the declaration of military accountability with the 12 pages of all 231 signatories i'm also going to include in that two substack articles written by uh, brad miller who wrote one about moral injury and then essentially the path to restoring trust in our military. And it talks about the AAR process, right? Accountability, acknowledgement, accountability, and restitution. So in the video, you only catch that last part of what I said, because the guy that took the, the video came up a little later as he saw him. Okay. I'm, I'm confronting a good old punk Lloyd Austin. And so he heard it all. Some commentary said that he couldn't hear it. No, as he continued to go away from me towards the, the door, I just started to continue to raise my voice and everybody could hear it in the room because no one else was talking. Everybody was walking out and listening to what I had to say. So he heard it. And then when he walked into the hallway, another individual confronted him and said, how do you reconcile ordering the military into the death jab? So it started in there. And then he was swarmed by people that let's just say we're taking over in terms of quote unquote media to ask the right questions that need to be asked. So, well, let's go ahead and play that clip right now. And then the path to healthy military by acknowledgement, accountability and restitution of the COVID-19 vaccine mandates harms. So you talked about doing an AAR about what your decision-making process was with your health. I'd offer you and suggest to you to do the same thing related to the illegal Department of Defense DOD jab mandate. And that's why we have this problem with our military because a lot of us left because of the illegal mandate. Emergency use authorized products are not allowed to be mandated. Forced experimentation on the force is illegal and you will be held to account. I guarantee it personally. There you have it. That's kind of the summary of my interactions with the acting fake secretary Lloyd Austin. And I have a new nickname for him. It's probably not rated G, but remember each word as I'm about to pronounce it, think of it being spelled PF at the beginning. Uh, Fat fool and you can you know put the rated r version of it in there after fat <laughs> uh fat fool pfizer and then another word oh okay yeah. bottom line here is i think he still owns quite a bit of stock i heard i mean sam shoemate didn't he do a research into it i think so that lloyd has quite a bit of shares in the whole pfizer fail stock and so i mean it's disgusting right at the end of the day what did i do right i created some content I embarrassed him in person, but I also said at the very end that uh, he's going to be held to account. Like, I personally guarantee it amongst the 231 of us. So we're not going away. This is only going to escalate. And one thing I will add that I think needs to be heard is after these hearings, there's an opportunity to engage with the members of the committee. And while the chairman of that committee left, eh, I did have a chance to talk to the staff director, who's also, I think, one of the senior guys on the chairman, Mike Rogers's staff. And I basically said, Hey, I get it. Now I was polite. I was diplomatic. I said, you know, I get it. Congressman Rogers is not the most animated, passionate on the subject of accountability related to the illegal jab mandate. 
But at the same time, I just want to let you know that we're not going away. We're only multiplying in numbers. And I said, if you missed yesterday's Tucker Carlson interview of Brad Miller, that might be your wake up call that now the lemmings are aware that what Lloyd Austin did in August 24th of 2021, totally illegal. And so more and more people are going to realize it. And more and more people, more and more people within the jury pool in America, meaning citizens that will end up being jurors, are going to want to demand maximal accountability to Lloyd Austin and everyone named in that declaration. That's good. So he heard it. He gave me about 15 minutes of his time. And it looks like they're going to be having finally a hearing along those lines, at least in its infancy. So we're moving not fast enough. But we're moving. 8,600 is what Matt Gates said. My concern was with that number. I know he was being mm -hmm. factually accurate in terms of those that were being discharged and trying to get back in. But there's 120,000 that refuse this. Some of them are still in uniform. Many have gone through unbelievable levels of harassment, even to the point of mm -hmm. what I would call torture, especially when we look at these new advanced methods of extracting information. They're using that right out of the playbook. That was my only disappointment. My only I mean, disappointment. I, I, with, I try to categorize. I'm sorry. Well, my, my only disappointment with, with Get's comment is that it sounds so small. It's much bigger than that. It isn't. And I think that that talking point has to get to him. No, absolutely. I always try to categorize it in three categories of numbers. You have those that were thrown out, 8,600, right? You have those that were that left early. I mean, it's pretty much similar where uh, I, you know, I'm, I'm part of that pool of folks that you know, I was offered battalion command. I said, no, I'm not going to be part of this lawless and belligerent executive branch that just tramples on all of our rights. So that probably that number, I think previously was in the 60 to 80,000 range. I'm sure there's more at this point over the last year that said, you know what, I'm not going to be part of not only the illegal CCP 19 mandate, the jab mandate, but all this mutilation promotion training and all of this, you know, lauding those that not only pushed for the mutilation through the clot shot, but are pushing for the mutilation of different parts of your body so that you're no longer a man or you're no longer a you know full-blown man or a full-blown woman. And I'd say that number is getting closer to 100,000, like you're saying. But then the other number is how many people at this point that have consumed sufficient free speech content on X now and some of the other platforms that absolutely regret having to be submitted to what they now know being an emergency use product that could not have been lawfully mandated. I'd say over a million members of the military at this point have to be in that category. And so which begs the question, what percentage of the force still considers uh, the, the the failure ship, some, they call themselves the leadership of the DOD, how much of percentage of the force still trusts them? I say that number is probably approaching in the single digits. I would agree. Let me read you something. It's it just, untenable. It's I, totally untenable. This just popped up in our group, um, and it was posted here. It's from Breitbart. It says, there are not, this is a reference to our, uh, mm -hmm. to our Chinese puppet-in-chief, um, Austin, the, uh, there are not many more positions for him to fail up into. 
And this will will likely end with him becoming the senior advisor or chairman to some defense contractor or lobbying firm. Or we could probably add Pfizer on that. Mm -hmm. Ultimately, however, if Austin is to receive the grace he sought this week, it most certainly should also be extended to the 8,600 service members who were discharged from the military for making a personal medical decision. This is why I'm leading an effort as part of this year's National Defense Authorization Act to take $200 million that would otherwise fund the defense of other nation, nation, nations and repurpose that to fund the reinstatement, back pay, and hardship bonuses of the service members kicked out of the, for vaccine refusal. And that comes from Matt Getz. That comes from yesterday. Oh, fantastic. Yeah, because I haven't had a chance to read that yet. I'm glad you're, you're pulling that up. That's absolutely fantastic. So I'm going to say this. So I mean, this week has been pretty instrumental in this fight for accountability because the first thing we have to do is the acknowledgement phase, as Brad Miller eloquently put in his substack and has talked about it, in the sense that you have to educate the country on what happened. As Tucker mentioned, he said, you know, Brad and us, we represent an institution that represents several million that most of society doesn't understand or know. But by explaining all the nuances here and what just occurred, it starts to get the country riled up. And luckily, we have at the tip of the spear within Congress, Matt Gates is is getting it right. And so it only takes one or two. Remember, Matt Gates was extremely instrumental. It doesn't take that many people as long as there's enough of a cadre and there's enough of us to basically build off of what we started with the Declaration of Military Accountability, which is. You know, I wouldn't say culmination, but it's the next phase of the effort that we've been pushing back against for the last several years. I, I think with the Ron Johnson hearing on Monday, with about 20 of the most senior critical thinkers across multiple spaces, whether it's media, medicine, globally, that he had at that round four-hour roundtable, with the Lloyd Austin testimony, and that's gaining traction, and now even today with the release finally of the of the next next tranche of the J January 6th uh, footage, I think momentum is building on our side. And so we're going to make them squirm. There's been a lot of discussion within the Declaration of Military Accountability Group of the numbers of people signed on to the supporting petition for the DMA. Mm -hmm. and, yeah, I'm, I might be one of them. Yeah, perhaps that, that, that might that might have that, perhaps we, we might have had that discussion this morning. Yes, um, <laughs> truth and consequences. That's good. Um, here's what I'm leading to because you gave a fantastic answer before the show today, and I really want to dig into this. What we don't have is a message on that website, which we're going to improve rapidly. Is why those such signatures are important. Now, there's a couple tiers of this. You've heard my side, which I'm talking here openly, is that we need to relate the actions of the DMA to local actions so people can get involved. That's critical mm -hmm. because it supports efforts Flynn's 100 doing. 100 agree. And supports efforts that we've been doing here in Bars Nation, which is county-by-county county action. Absolutely. But you said something that really never registered with me, and it had to do with congressional action. So talk about what these numbers of signatories mean, not the signatories of the 231, but those, those signing the petition on the website. Yeah, so there was an internal discussion. You know, some folks are asking, you know, what's what's the relevance of that number? And I did have a conversation, you know, the, the numerous times I've been up there and handing out the declaration and said that there's a 
adjacent petition with it, I always get this question from at least a couple of the members of Congress. And they say, how many people publicly have signed on to it? And I would give them the number according to whatever day they asked me because I you know, keep track of it. And he's like, well, that's kind of low. And it seems as though if that threshold hits about 100,000, you got to remember that Congress and members of Congress react to the court of public opinion. So when we shape the court of public opinion in the form of 100,000 or a million uh, fellow petition signers, that now is they look at it as voters and probably donors, I would guess. So if they start to talk about a particular subject that is high risk, but yet a lot of people are now talking about it, they look like leaders when they jump on it. Look, for example, and this is not to be disparaging or anything pejorative. When you look at the members of Congress and where they receive their money. Leave that part to me. The the disparaging and pejorative (laughs) part, I'll take care of that. You just keep going. When you look, yeah, when you look at the members of Congress and where they obtain their fundraising streams, there are, I think, only two. I be, on the Republican side, I think there's only one that does not accept any political action committee money. And you guessed it right. It's Matt Gates. So all of his fundraising to sustain his political career as a member of Congress is reliant wholeheartedly on small, small dollar donations of individuals. Now I get it. The maximum contribution for an election cycle is like 11,200 for primary in general, but that's to say that he does not take any money. And then thus you could uh, assess that there's no political influence from these different packs from big businesses. So he's essentially tied and tethered to the will of the people match that with his massive participation in different X and Twitter spaces. You can see that now, his loyalties are obviously to his constituents, which are heavily military in Pensacola, but also just the, the general population in America. You can't say the same thing about most of these folks. That's why we're not getting any traction from a the chair of the subcommittee on uh, COVID select, Brad, Brad Wenstrup. That's why we're not getting any traction from the chair of the Armed Services Committee, uh, Mike Rogers. And then there's a, I think there's one or two Democrats are in that same boat. And on some issues, Gates and I think it's Rohana from San Francisco, oddly enough, on a couple of issues, they they align, whether it's FISA or I think a couple other uh, PAC money, particularly, because they're the only ones that are doing. Having said that, that's why he's able to essentially call them out, them being big pharma, uh, them, you know, the the uniparty. And that's why he was able to be very instrumental in the removal of the deepest swamp creatures, which are the, you know, the Mick family, McCarthy, the McDaniel, and the McConnells. I want to I want to compliment you before we your next question. Okay. So one thing that I'm doing here, I haven't seen any other podcast or influencer, whatever you want to call it, content creator, put together such an all-star dream team of just methodically interviewing members of the 231 to get the whole full story and perspective in the collective of how this mandate not only was unlawful, but its impacts. And I'm just literally just going through my list here. So starting on January 3rd, you released, you interviewed Rob Green, who obviously the primary author. Then you went in and, you know, obviously January 6th, since I'm the subject matter expert, you interviewed me along with that. Uh, Mark, Lieutenant Mark Bashoff, 
Let's see here. Brad Miller, Cameron Hamilton. By the way, I'm going to be bumping into some of these folks tonight. Pete Chambers, Tech Sergeant Scott Lauterbaum, Carolina St Stanzik, and Brianna Cespedes, Senior Chief Dixon Brown. Let's see. Who am I missing here? Sky Lieutenant Skyler Skipper. I like that. I very much respect that you're doing it. It's a very methodical, just increasing. We're basically adding layers, building blocks to, at the end of the day, be able to then educate these members of Congress along with the, once we get the numbers up, to finally get more of their attention so that we can have some sort of a political solution to the problem that's been created, this political problem that's been created, which I think I mean, it, it's, it all starts at least now with the illegal certification on January 6th, illegal Chinese ambassador in the White House, then appointing this big pharma brand ambassador that walked around with his, I should have walked in with my face shield and a box of face toilets sitting right <laughs> next to that scumbag. Uh, but for some reason, I forgot to do that. I think that would have definitely... I don't think you had dress up on your eyes. birthday list, did you? <laughs> I didn't. By the way. But looking um, back, I should have done that. By the way, happy birthday <laughs> a day late. Yeah, yeah. I just turned 12 yesterday, folks. <laughs> so if you want, you know, you can support me by, you know, saying a prayer or whatever. I mean, we'll whatever say a prayer for you. Fancy. No, we'll say plenty of prayers for you because you're, you're slaying it up there. Let my, le let my leg heal. That's it. <laughs> yeah. So how was that doing, by the way? Your broken yeah, so leg. so today... It's actually six weeks on the date. Six weeks ago today at about five, you know, in a couple hours here, I was tobogganing with my son, went airborne uh, on a mogul. He was sitting up front. And as we were about three feet in the air, it started to turn on the, to the right side. My foot got caught underneath before we landed. And my foot got stuck between the snow and the toboggan. And I had a, a, a high top boot and it literally broke right above the boot. Oof. And... Let's just say my foot was at a 90-degree angle at a minimum. Wow. I'll just, I'll just say this. My ankle was rubbing almost up to my knee. Oh, my goodness, dude. Ugh. And so six weeks later after this surgery, I'm actually able to walk around short distances without anything. That's amazing. You no. Know, I started with a wheelchair, a walker, went to crutches, then went to a cane. And now I'm at a point where I'm just relearning how to walk. But I do have – I'm building up the strength because I have a uh, stationary bike. I'm on the stationary bike today, and actually tomorrow I think I'm cleared to go ahead and start swimming. That's so fantastic. I'm going to go for my first swim tomorrow. That's fantastic. Here's what I want to hit on because I think it's super important because it connects the DMA, the efforts of the DMA, to the greater reset of this nation. I was going to kind of give you my perspective, and then I want you to comment on it. I see the DMA mm -hmm. as one of the most critical – lines of effort we have currently in resetting this nation. And the reason being that once we reset the military, what comes back into the dialogue with a properly organized and functioning leadership are these words, enemies domestic. And once we re-engage that, our right. military then is able to support the people in the effort of reclaiming this republic from a fascist, tyrannical, communist pedophile, satanic elite. Your thoughts? I mean, I, I couldn't have said it better other than that. I mean, just to add on to that, Scott, we do have 
a mechanism within our system where we define who our foreign enemies are. I mean, most people can rattle them off at this point, right? Uh, even the acting fake secretary yesterday said, you know, our pacing threat is China. Our acute, you know, he uses, you know, this, this superlative and colorful language to explain things. But bottom line, it's China first and foremost by a long shot. Russia being the second. Third would be uh, Iran, a distant third, and then North Korea in some regards, right? And then you have ancillary player, players, state and non-state actors that are foreign. But what doesn't get addressed is domestic. But here's where it's dangerous because what they're doing right now, the DOJ and the FBI, I call them America's domestic terrorist organization, hands down. When you look at the history of that organization, it's just brutal. But what they're trying to do is label Americans that actually conduct lawful constitutional activity. They try to, through their censorship industrial complex and their subordinate comms platforms, Twitter 1.0, Facebook, CommyTube, InstaGarbage, they try to make it look like constitutionally founded principles and content and activities. I got the book here. Is unlawful activity that warrants you to be designated as a domestic terrorist. If we can focus and educate the country as well as our institutions, like the foundational training, when you become a U.S. government employee and more so a military service member, must be the U.S. Constitution and it's the building of it, right? So we started off with seven articles. Then a couple of years later, we came up with 10 amendments. And then over the course of the next couple hundred years, almost, we've gotten to the point where it's another 17 amendments. And so by learning the Constitution, you learn about the history and the foundational principles of our nation, which are, goes back, and we had it in our discussion today, where Brad Miller said it, where the foundational documents, while it's the Constitution, are still based off of these principles, if you look up, Scott. Isn't that something? It's called the Holy Bible. <laughs> the Holy Bible. Wow. And so by understanding that, people – and if, if again, if you don't like that, you still have to understand the rule book. That is our citizen's rule book. If you don't like it, there's a process to adjust and amend it. But you can't adjust an amendment by leveraging constitutional authorities and, and uh, I guess, institutions in an unconstitutional way. And that is exactly what's been going on over the last, you know, at a minimum since 2018, in a very acute manner that I've witnessed first and second row. Uh, that started off with you know, the censorship industrial complex focused outwardly, which you can do towards our enemies. But then once it comes in inwardly, that's problem problematic. And that's where we need to, those are our domestic enemies. And they're all really within, like, I can't violate the Constitution right now, right, pretty much, as a private citizen, because the Constitution is written to limit the authority of the government. And so former and current government officials, essentially, primarily in the, the CIA, the FBI, the DOJ, and now the DHS, are the ones, and in, by extension, some of the health and human services, the NAI, right, the health services over the COVID con. Those are the domestic enemies that we need to go after. And they're doing everything in their power to censor and buy time so that they can steal yet another election to, 
to cover up their previous crimes. Right. Well, I mean, that's that, that would be my commentary. Well, right. I, I think it's indicative when we're dealing with a transnational, transgenerational, literally rape cabal, criminal cabal. I mean, that's that's indicative. They're not going to tell anything but lies. And then this is the whole thing is these people, whether they are willfully part of it or they just think that they're taking advantage of their rightful position to benefit themselves, every one of them are traitors. And at the end of the day, they deserve a traitor's justice, straight up. And that would get back to this comment that I've made and I would stand by, which is probably one of the most lucrative businesses a person could get involved in right now, if you were a construction person, would be to open a business making gallows. And what I would do is I would team with- And millstones. Uh, and millstones. So gallows and millstones. So if you get, I would team with rock quarries and I would team with local loggers, especially out in my country- and then team with independent truckers, and I guarantee you the delivery on that will be cheaper than Prime and setup will be free. And to be honest, now that we're going into that kind of you know, business model, if you will, or that line of the economy, I think a couple other goods should be added to that as you know the business develops would be probably, you know, if we look at Singapore as an example, they like to use canes to bring justice. Mm. So maybe some for some of the minor offenses, we could make caning great again. And then also uh, using the French model a couple hundred years ago, there may be something to that, right? Yeah. Using the analog method so that AI doesn't really get involved in the um, delivering of justice. What do they call it? Make guillotines great again or something like that? Yeah, something like that. I'm just throwing it out there. I think it's a good as a possibility. Again, the, the the rules would have to change in certain. Again, that would be something that the states would have to decide on, right? Whether or not that they would want to mete out punishment according to the traditions of France and Singapore, and maybe a historical uh, in, in states that we've seen doing that sort of justice in American history. We're in an unprecedented time in our history. There's no question. We've never seen this level of treason, but it's also, we've never seen this level of moral bankruptcy. As you pointed yeah, out, the I mean, foundations of this the, nation The are... declaration nails it. A I didn't really know what the word avaricious was until I looked it up. There you go. And when you look up avaricious corruption, I mean, it, it, it encapsulates the totality of the most wanton disregard for lawful activity, just complete unadulterated corruption, just to the extreme. Incipient. I don't know. You, you're looking up uh, Dick, uh, <laughs> the actual terminology. Keep going. You can go ahead and read it no, off. No, keep going. I'm going to let you do it. Go. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it, it's avaricious is a, is oh, a good kudos term. again to yeah, yeah. Mr. Green. Absolutely. I mean, that's fantastic. We are um, into a pretty interesting window coming up here in this month and in the next coming months as we start to head into the end of primaries and and the situation with elections. I know your focus is highly zeroed in as it should be on pressuring these lawmakers to do the right thing and holding them accountable. Um, there is still a major concern in this nation of the corruption of the political system and especially the, the voting machines, which hasn't gone mm -hmm. away. And I'm not one that believes in fighting that sort of system with more wrongs, but that seems to be the trend we're going towards. What's your general sense on things going forward in D.C.? I mean, we're dealing with a 
bankrupt corporation up there of some fashion. You've got a bunch of loons up there that are running the country with the exception of a handful. Most of them at one point or another in their career have literally accepted some sort of bribe or sexual favor to get where they are. Most of them, even until recently, have done that. And we are, you're trying to, you're pushing ahead on a system that is believing, I think, in itself that with the intelligence agency apparatus behind them, there's no stopping them. We know that's not true, but I know, I think that's hard for people to understand how you can have so much confidence to literally have the heart of David in the middle of them and know that you're going to win. Because every single time you tell them the same thing, which hat tip to you, seriously, I will personally hold you accountable and I will see to it. You tell them that every time. And it's like hat tip to you. So talk a little bit about that. No, thank you. So, I mean, I look at it this way. Everybody's about doom and gloom. Well, let's historically see where we're at. February 2021, where were we at? The escalation of the raids and the rests and, and everything related to January 6th was starting to kind of reach its crescendo. And that's kind of dissipated at this point. And what have we done since then? We've exposed the COVID con to millions. We have Democrats, traditional Democrats that were on that panel with Ron Johnson that are literally like the dream team across the political spectrum is essentially uh, forming. And that dream team is now pushing back. Uh, you have in Congress, I get it, there's 435. But all it took was six, eight or so to remove a speaker because you have a, just like, I don't remember who said this. You just need a vocal minority. And it's really only a few percentage points. You don't need to have 50%. You have 40 members of the House Freedom Caucus that almost are in a position to block these trillionaires from run, running roughshod over us. So I say that in some areas, it's a stalemate. Uh, in many areas still that they're winning, but we are... You know, we're getting W's on the board. We have, for example, January 6th. If it was up to Nancy Pelosi, Chuck Schumer, their sergeants at arms that they appointed that then appointed the Capitol Police Chief, they would have continued to leverage Title II of the U.S. Code, Chapter 29, particularly Section 1979, to say, hey, you're not going to release those videotapes under our watch because if you do, you're going to you're going to totally debunk that January 6th committee that they launched. You're going to debunk most, if if not almost all, of the January 6th political persecutions. So where are we winning on that front? As of what three hours ago, almost four hours ago, the Speaker of the House Johnson, whom we upgraded to, uh, and the only reason why I haven't been calling on his removal is simply because of this. Today, he announced another 5,000-hour tranche with the chair of the Subcommittee on Oversight for House Admin of another 5,000 hours of video footage. So here's what that's going to do. A lot of people are like, oh, whatever. We already know what happened. That video footage can now be used in court to, to basically unravel and reverse a lot of these cases. And more importantly, I think the next phase of January 6th is going to look something like this. The committee is going to prove beyond any doubt that the J6 committee and its efforts, along with the Capitol Police, it was a political hit job specifically to build the case to drop, stop Trump from being able to get back into office. And there's a lot of components there, right? 
You're John John Brennan's former inspector general, Scott, at the CIA when he was the director, was a guy by the name of David Buckley. David Buckley was the senior staffer, known as the staff director for that January 6th cover-up committee. He was one of the 51 that provided cover to the Biden criminal syndicate laptop. So as, again, it took me a while to get there. But as people like you and me, you give me the platform that I don't have, I can bring in my investigative background and capabilities to then expose these scum. Now we can start to educate the country. And as more and more people realize that really it comes down to two people that we need to collect all comms traffic and all documents from to be able to prove a Fed surrection, prove that there was no insurrection. And it's really the general counsel of the Capitol Police, Tad Tobias, and the staff director for that cover-up committee, David Buckley. Once those two names are scrutinized and you have big influencers starting to look into them and people like Ivan Raiklin knock on their door over at the Capitol uh, and say, hey, buddy, and confront them, I think they're going to start squirming. Let me put it this way. Let me summarize it this way. We are winning because I am getting phone calls from not only members of Congress, but also senior staffers that are telling me, Ivan, you were right a year, oh, 13 months ago when I thought you were a total tinfoil hat nut job. And I'm like, thank you, about time. <laughs> so if you've been following my work, uh, I would say that everything thus far that I've been saying about January 6th is about to be proven. Cascade of that is incredible, if you think about it, because that is going to take us into the FBI. It's going to take us into Capitol Police. Capitol Police Board, Capitol Police, and then to the F yep, FBI, I like to pronounce it. The FBI is good. Um it's going to touch the DOJ. Yep. It's going to touch present and former members of Congress. And, Absolutely. And they're not out of the reach of the law. In fact, if they're out of Congress, it's easier. So thank you, Nancy Pelosi. It's easier to arrest her now that she's gone. It's No, but she's still, she's still a member of Congress with full immunity. How is that? She's still a quiet member of Congress. So is how to explain what you just said. And she still has her security detail as though she's a she's a speaker emeritus. She is still a sitting member of Congress. And the reason why she ran for reelection is to continue to allow herself and her kind of ecosystem to have uh, immunity. You got to remember when you're on the Capitol grounds, you're pretty much immune, especially when you are the one that helped appoint the Capitol Police chief. He's not going to what, what the guy that you appointed Capitol Police chief is going to be arresting you No. You're going to have him focus on continuing to put evidentiary packages together that are fake sworn statements by Capitol Police officers to go after your political opponents. Okay. And then meanwhile, she can say whatever she wants under the speech and debate clause, just like Adam Bullshift and Eric Swallow as well, just lies every day. All right. So let's let's wrap this. With, I know your time is important today. So let's wrap it with this and then we'll, we'll, yeah. we'll kind of close out. But here's you just hit something really important. All of these fools on, in Capitol Hill and in the Pentagon have a measure of immunity. Mm -hmm. Supreme Court just ruled that sovereign immunity by agencies is no longer constitutionally protected. So lawsuits can be can penetrate the veil. But that's civil. That's not criminal. There has to be something in your playbook that you are aware of that was we prove treason, complicit to and think people 
involved in crimes against humanity, crime people involved in a coup of the United States, that would include Nancy Pelosi, Schumer, Swallow, um, Austin isn't a part of that group right there. Mm-hmm. So is Millie, right? And then we can just go on the list of probably, I would guess there's probably, well, since every 300 one of, or so of our generals are involved one way or another, their name's on that list. But we'll definitely come mm-hmm. up with a top 52 without any problem. Right, right. <laughs> 52 is nice because that's the deck of cards. Right. Okay. You can't tell me there isn't a way to penetrate their immunity and their to prosecution. So that's what, when I started to do the investigation on January 6th, that I went through that methodology of how do we pierce the veil of secrecy of literally the most protected entity in all three branches of government, of federal government? Because you can FOIA, Freedom of Information Act request, information from the executive branch, right? Court opinions, and and the activity of of the federal courts you know you can attend the hearings you can kind of see how things are moving along with the the motions and the filings pretty well it's pretty well documented publicly at least most of it in terms of the article one branch of government the federal congress and its leadership and the law enforcement entity you cannot FOIA that that's something that tom fitton is trying to litigate to be able to pierce that veil of secrecy uh, through litigation. Additionally, I mean, the only way to essentially get into the interworkings of identifying that there was manipulated CCTV footage that was sent over to criminalize someone is to release all the video, which is what we're doing. And then to understand whether or not there were non-disclosure agreements and coerced manipulated testimony of U.S. Capitol Police officers, you have to see those documents, Right. The only way to get to those is through the two committees that have oversight over the Capitol Police Board and the Capitol Police. On the Senate side is the Senate Rules and Admin Committee, chaired by a Democrat, Amy Klobuchar. So we're going nowhere with that. And on the House side, you have the Congressman Loudermilk. That's the vector and mechanism that is the only way right now for us to basically pierce that veil of secrecy to expose it all. But we just got another opportunity. Attorney General of Texas, Ken Paxton, just won a case that basically ruled that the whole COVID, uh, I think, I haven't read the full thing, but the, the headline was the whole COVID relief vote, it was done by proxy vote, meaning there was no quorum to conduct the lawful vote when Nancy Pelosi was speaker. So then what does that do? That might unravel things. How does it apply to what we were just talking about? I've been arguing that January 6th, there was never a quorum to conduct the certification of the election. So if you want to fix this quick, Mr. Speaker Johnson, why don't you hold a new joint session vote and actually conduct a 12th Amendment joint session? And in that, two hours of debate, right, per state, and then we can start to decertify that 2020 election and then vote for your president. In the House. Interesting. Because now not only do we have the majority by state delegation, which I argued should have been done on January 6th to McCarthy and Mike Pence's chief of staff, we also have the majority in the House based on individual members if everyone votes by po- political party. I've got another way so to help that, another way to help yeah. you along. Dump the Epstein files. 
Let's see yeah. who was. Let's see who was on Lolita Express and going over to Epstein Island doing kids. Dump that, and then why don't we just why don't we see the details of the seven hundred and eighty going back to the machines that when you talked about that right the voting. Why don't we see the inner workings and details of the seven hundred eighty seven million dollar settlement, also known as the bribe from faux news to deviant voting systems. I wonder if there was something in there that said, we donate $787 million from one BlackRock company to the other to go ahead and create the adjudic adjudicative outcome of our choosing. Because the only way that Nikki Haley wins this is by block by having the Democrat trifecta states block Trump from enough states from appearing on the ballot, thus him not being able to get to 50% going into the RNC convention because his name's just on the, not on the ballot. That's one. Or two, calling on those states that run their primaries using the deviant voting systems machines that faux news just bribed them, well, settled with them, I should say, <laughs> to create the adjudicative outcome of their choosing. These are private companies doing private business deals. You are if you, if that happens, you're going to be in foreign territory because we're not staying together as a nation. I can guarantee you that right now. No, so the the solution for that is I think at this point I always, let me end it with this. The way we fix all of this, Scott, is we don't have to rely on foying the lawless and illegitimate executive branch. We don't even have to, at this point, really go after, uh, you know, trying to get the veil of secrecy on the Capitol Police Board and, and the legislative branch. Elon Musk, think about it this way, Scott. I've created a deep state target list of all these scum by category. Let's just start off with the 51 that provided cover for the Biden laptop, the 39 that unmasked Flynn. All involved in impeachment hoax one and two, staffers, witnesses, etc. The J6 committee members and staff. A lot of them have Twitter accounts. I want to look at all of their direct messages. Elon Musk can just wake up to tomorrow and say, you know what? That's a pretty good idea, Ivan. Let me call Michael Schellenberger and have him scrub any, you know, PI of other individuals that we don't want to release. And let's just disclose all of their direct messages. And voila, we're going to see all the seditious co-conspiratorial actions by all the seditious co-conspirators. John Brennan's got a Twitter account. I want to look at his DMs. Peter Strzok and James Comey have Twitter accounts. I want to look at all their DMs because what's that going to do? That's going to give us more than breadcrumbs to see exactly what they were doing for the lifetime of that Twitter account. Would be my guess. And I, I'm not saying I've seen any of their direct messages, but I'm going to say that the, the technical capability is there for Ivan Raikland to see those direct messages. Yes, <laughs> That's why I've been investigating the way I've been investigating. <laughs> so um, just, as a, just as a footnote, and then we're going to, I want to get everybody, I want you to tell everybody where to go. Just as a footnote, you said 51. You need to change it to 52. It was 60. You said 51. Okay. I did say 51, but there were a total of 60. I, I, I think I know one of those. Yeah, but, but you should you should have you should make have, it fifty two. You need fifty two because <laughs> there's always two jokers. Well, fifty four with the two jokers. Oh, that's fair enough. 
52 for uh, the deck of cards, brother. 52 for the deck of I cards. Know. We need to start building cards and like everybody needs to basically step up and decide, all right, to, I live here and one of those seditious co-conspirators doesn't live too far away from me. I'm going to accidentally bump into them at the grocery store on the sidewalk while they're walking. I'm going to bump into them when they're at the hardware store. Somebody yesterday said, hey, Ivan, I know the grocery store that every once in a while your buddy Lloyd Austin goes shopping. And uh, and I can tell you exactly what time he has done that. I might just pay a visit every day from here on out to that grocery store at that time slot so that maybe I can continue to provide him my gift of the Declaration of Military Accountability with a videographer with me. It's easy. You know how that uh, card trick works where you, and I've done it actually, but your card trick works where you say pick a card, mm-hmm. and they pick a card, and every time it's the card that you want, not the one they want? Yeah. Okay. I just think you should learn that trick because I think there'd be nothing greater than to say pick a card, and as you hold it up, it just happens to be them on the ace of spades. <laughs> My, and then maybe we'll start doing like we talked that we started, you know, we talked about enemies domestic. Remember that ace in the hole in Iraq? Mm-hmm. We're talking the same thing. Yeah. So I think it's time to create. Should we eventually take over the White House, the yeah. House and the Senate? I highly recommend for the first piece of legislation to be cr- the creation of the Department of Retribution. And then I would be gladly uh, accepting of an appointment to that position, at least temporarily, to build it out. And there would be three, actually now four divisions, based on our conversation before we we uh, started this <laughs> podcast. The first division is going to consist of the investigative arm, which would create these target lists, right? And that would be, you know how like in the military for government employees, you get a five-point preference if you're a veteran, 10-point if you're a Purple Heart, you know, recipient well there would be a trillion point preference for that division for those j6 defendants and their family members and they would be part of the research division for the department of retribution the second division would consist of the action arm and that would be a trillion point preference would be those that are of the 8600 that were kicked out that would be the trillion point preference. A, a billion point preference would be the, to those that left early because of the jab mandate. Okay. And so on and so forth. And then friend, you know, friends that we know in tier one mm-hmm. would definitely be part of that group. And then the third division would consist of the independent media arm. Cause you always, in the interest of transparency, right. As, as Pete Chambers always says, I identify as transparent, right? So in the interest of in the public interest and in the, in the interest of transparency, uh, you would want to have a capability to live stream those live raids and swattings conducted by the action arm that were teed up by the you know research division. You know, you got the Intel shop, you got the action arm, and then you have the, the public affairs team. And then the fourth division. Make sure include a print be, media section under the public affairs team. Print media. Yeah, print media. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I, obviously, you will be probably one of the senior advisors yeah. to the. 
<laughs> and so airdrop flyers are helpful <laughs> at times. Yeah, and, and then the last division I think would be mission support, and that's where I think eventually you get to the the creation of millstones and other products that are necessary to effectuate uh, the ultimate sacrifice for treason. We're going to be busy. <laughs> All right, looks like I got to head down to Fredericksburg for this event. I'm going to be seeing Rob Green, Brad Miller, Cameron Hamilton, uh, Carolyn Rocco, I think, is going to be there, and maybe some other folks. How long are you going to be down there? From the DMA. How long are you going to be down just, there? Just tonight, a couple hours. It's it just... takes about an hour for me to get down there. And is it's a rally? Is that what it is? Uh, Cameron Hamilton's doing an event at a very patriot location called Gore Melts. So if you want to, if you're in the Fredericksburg area, and you want to support a patriot, uh, definitely recommend eating at Gore Melts. So um, when you, you should down... have him on your show if you've never had him to hear his story. What, Cam? He, he was literally the only restaurateur in Virginia that pushed back maximally oh, I love against that. COVID. -con. So this is what you can do for tonight. I'm just giving you a mission. So mm -hmm. what you'll do is you will get down there and you'll text me and say, I'm here. And I'm going to send you a Zoom link and we'll do it off your phone and I'll record it. And you can introduce me to the restauranteur and have all the guys on the DMA just come by and say a quick hello. Yeah, absolutely. That's and then, easy. And then, and then we'll part, be a part of tonight's <laughs> show. How's that? Yeah, perfect. Okay, that's good. All right. I love it. <laughs> yeah. You, you, you run, you're on a Substack, right? Yeah, IvanRakeland.substack.com. I got to, now that my leg's healing, I need to start getting more active in there and writing some stuff. What are you talking about? That's someone you're supposed to write is when you're laying down. Yeah, I know. But it, between, it, it took me a while to recover after going to, on these excursions to the uh, the border. I went down to Texas. It took me two, three days to recover from that. Yeah, I'm sure it did. In my broken state. So now I'm, my recovery time's a lot faster. Good. Okay. I'm um, traveling. So just, your Substack, anything else? Any other place you want them to, besides the DMA, we want them to go to the Declaration of Military Accountability site. That's important. Yeah, my ex at this point is probably where I produce most content. Ivan Raiklin, and then I have, uh, I mean, if anybody wants to have me come out and speak, you can reach me on at info at raiklin.com. Or I have I have open, all my social media is open. Getter, X, Excellent. Truth. Awesome. We always do a prayer at the end. I'm going to lead you in a prayer, Okay. Father, I just want to thank you for Lieutenant Colonel Retired Ivan Ranklin, literally the heart of David in the midst of a satanic pit of cult and worship as he wages war against the darkest of evil. We just pray that he'll continue to bless him and protect him with all that he does, guide him in that true righteous heart and the discernment that he needs each and every day, and to continue to inspire those in this nation to understand that just a factor of one, just the power of one can change the world. So, Father, we thank you for him, all he does. Continue to bless him for where he is, his family, and his efforts. And we say these things in Christ Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Scott, as always. I love it. Blessings, brother. Have a great day. Look forward to hearing from you this afternoon. All right. All right. You too. God bless. Peace. Give me Well, Patriots, that was Lieutenant Colonel Ivan Ranklin, retired Special Forces. He's a force of one in D.C., and he's holding them accountable. Keep him in your prayers. We're definitely going to add a prayer for him on Sunday morning, not only for the healing of his leg, which is doing amazing, um, six weeks ago, and he's now walking. With he'll, he'll stop using the cane as of tomorrow. And he may have even put it down tonight. I don't know. I didn't see a full picture when he called in earlier. 
But as you heard in the end, that mission that he, and I referenced, that was the mission you heard at the beginning with the whole group there. These are amazing people. The DMA is composed of just real solid spine, strong spine, strong patriot driven military veterans and personnel. They believe in this nation and they want to do nothing more than to commit themselves to bringing accountability, not only to the Department of Defense, but to this nation. And so this is the force that's kind of moving now. And it is a vanguard element that's now tying in with other great elements like Bard's Nation. Remember, like I said, the calling on my heart, and I think we can all pray on it and find the same resolve, is God wants to see the remnant tribes come together. And that's where we start to bring things together and start to make a very strong presence and start to make such a force that there's nothing the deep state can do. They're going to do all they can because they're evil, meaning the deep state. They're evil. They're satanic. They're pedophilic. They have pedophile written all over them. They want nothing more than to ravage and destroy. But the one thing that they cannot do is withstand the force of the children of the Most High. So thank you for being here tonight. We'll be back tomorrow night for the gospel of peace. Keep your head up and your eyes forward. Never bow to evil. Never relent. Always press into the fight. God is with us. He'll never forsake us. And in the end, God always wins. But we are here in this time, in this place, for just such a time as this. We are at war. So walk boldly and fearlessly with Christ. Occupy the land. Expand the kingdom. Subdue the enemy. Mission forward. Patriots, I will see you tomorrow night for Gospel of Peace. Until then or until the next time, God bless. Good night. Thank you. And out for now. Oh, I want to feel something. I just want to breathe again. Dive into the deepest end. Get back in.